Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. I'm here today with Afinia Liang. Afinia is director and co-founder at Digital Crew, a multilingual digital marketing agency working with clients in local and international markets in languages such as Chinese, Japanese, and Hindi. Digital Crew has offices in Australia, India, China, and the USA, and has worked with brands big and small, including Oppo, L'Oreal, Cebu Pacific, Western Union, Fraser's Property, EY, and Allianz. She's also the co-founder of Pandametrics, which is a SaaS platform for global brands to monitor their social presence in China. Today, we're gonna be discussing marketing to a Chinese audience, both in China and overseas. Afinia, welcome to the pod. James, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Yeah, me too. It's um, I think it's a really interesting topic. We'll, we'll kind of get into the numbers and why it is so important, but probably a topic that a lot of Australian marketers, just given the language barrier, just don't have much knowledge about. So I think to get started, if we could just talk about the Chinese market, I guess the size of China population, internet users, and then guess how it's so different to to what we have here in Australia, where Australia is very much kind of Google and Meta with Facebook and Instagram and TikTok kind of growing. But yeah, look, if we could just talk about what digital looks like in China. Yeah, sure. I think the past three years of pandemic has, has separated the whole world and it becomes its own bubble and yeah. there's no difference in China. And the digital space in China has grown a lot in the past 10 years. Just think about there's 1.3 billion, close to 1.4 billion people, and then there are more than a billion uh, people online. So, and that is the that's the scale of the population online. But when you, as a marketer, we only care about our own audience. So it's actually very diverse demographic and audience in China, because there are the cities are categorized as a top tier city and second tier, third tier, all the way down to fifth tier based on their population Mm -hmm. um, of the city and the economic status and the GDP of that of that city. And still, there are more than 100 city has more than 10 million people. So when you're talking about I need to market Chinese uh, in China, or I need to take my product or brand to China, you really need to be hyper focused Mm -hmm. to start with. So when we advise a lot of our clients, um, we need to do very in-depth marketing research to really understand where exactly is their target market. Sometimes we just start with one or two cities and even within the city, we need to be super targeted. In terms of the digital space, as you know, um, it it used to be the BAT, the Baidu conglomerate, um, the Alibaba and the Tencent system. And now we have the Baidan system, which is the mother company of TikTok. Uh-huh. And in China, they have their own uh, media channels. The biggest one is called Douyin, which is the sister of uh, TikTok. Uh-huh. Exactly the same, just in Chinese. But in the same group, they have a lot of other uh, media as well, like uh, Total, which is a newsfeed ad. It's the most hot popular newsfeed app in China. And then they have a group of all other media channels as well. So, so these four groups, they are separate. So they are in their own little bubbles. So traffic don't usually go across these bubbles. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you're in, in WeChat, which is part of the Tencent group, you can't even have a, I mean, two years ago, you couldn't even have a link to go to uh, Taobao, which is the Alibaba group. Mm-hmm. So after 10 plus years of operation, they finally come to an agreement so that they could, users could share Taobao links. So 
from WeChat, you can click a link to go and buy things on Taobao, which is the Alibaba group. This is like the Amazon of China. And audience, they are across all these four big bubbles, conglomerates, digital conglomerates in yeah. China. It's just they, they still have very diverse and also precise audience within those those different groups because they have many different apps and media channel segmented and, and vertical medias within those groups. So it's a, it's a very huge media, digital media landscape to, to navigate in China. And as you know, Google and Facebook and LinkedIn, it's not there. LinkedIn just pulled out about two years ago. Yeah. It was a shame because a lot of uh, B2B business want to use LinkedIn and it's a very effective channel, but then they pull out of China. None of the Western media, tw Twitter is not there. So it is like a vacuum from the rest of the world. Yeah, totally. So, it has its challenges if you if a brand a marketer want to tackle the market but once you get to know the landscape and and once you find your audience and find the channels that work for you it will pay off yeah it, i mean it sounds super overwhelming doesn't it in terms of just the, the sheer vastness of users the fact that as australian marketers we kind of we're so accustomed to google Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the idea that you're kind of having to work on a, a whole bunch of different channels in, in a different language. It's very, very, very interesting. So is it fair to say that of the, say, billion Chinese internet users, most of them would be on each of those four platforms in, in one way or another? Like you you, you wouldn't be on one? Yeah, definitely. You, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're cross-platform, they're on multiple platforms, and sometimes one person will have multiple accounts on different platforms. For example, on WeChat, people average have two WeChats because one for work, one for personal. Yeah, WeChat is basically the app, like everyone is on it. Yeah. There's no one, anyone who has a phone will be on it and everybody has a phone <laughs> nowadays <laughs> because it's manufactured in China anyway. So the, the cost of uh, smartphone, it's, it's pretty low in China. So of the four, Baidu, is it fair to say that is because I guess each of these companies has a whole bunch of different products, apps yes. sitting underneath of them. But so Baidu, would that I think the, the conception in Australia is that Baidu is a search engine like Google is. Is that kind of true or? Yeah, that, that is true. Yes. If you talk about the search engine space, uh, Baidu is dominant. Yeah. They still have about 80 to 85 percent of the market share in China. Yeah. And then followed by other smaller search engines like 360 or Shenmar or SoGo in the search engine space. However, the digital habit of internet user in China are slightly different to to the Western user. Yeah. In the Western world, anything you want to find or when you want to know, you go to Google and just Google it, right? Correct. Yeah. But in China, it's the Baidu search. It didn't come on the first step. Usually, depends on what category and what you're looking for. Sometimes you would go to a vertical site such as Zhihu, which is similar to Quora. So you go there and search for certain uh, professional professional questions, knowledge about a specific field, or you, if you're looking for a shopping advice or brand, or you're trying to buy something, or you're trying to uh, get advice about traveling, how to plan a trip, etc. You go to vertical sites. So trips like uh, sea trip or mafeng war about fashion. You go to Little Red Book, which is dominant 50% female user on there. And it has a lot of good content about fashion and cosmetic and, and beauty brands. So you go there to research yeah. about brands and about how other people are talking about those brands. Then 
you go back to search engine to validate your mm. your your knowledge. So search engine doesn't come on the first step; it comes on the second or closer to the last step of a, a user journey. Interesting to to interact with a brand. Interesting. And then in terms of um, Alibaba, that is general, like you'd kind of see that as a shopping Amazon type. E-commerce, type yes. E-commerce type equivalent. E-commerce. Tencent, and I know these are all, like there's probably exceptions to all of these generalizations, but so Tencent owns WeChat, WePay. That's correct, yes. So probably more in the chat social kind of space, is that so, fair? So all of these internet giants, they have very similar products, but they have the product that they are good at. Yeah. Okay. So, for example, Tencent, the the key product is WeChat, which covers every aspect of your life. You you chat with your friends, you connect with people, you work on there, and also you can do payments, you pay your bills, and so so WeChat Pay is what you mentioned. And then there are e-commerce shops within WeChat as well. Yeah. And then the Alibaba Group, it has its e-commerce, which is very similar to uh, Amazon. It also has its uh, international B2B platform, which is the Alibaba platform, the actual Alibaba platform, mm-hmm. which is for sourcing for international trade. And then it also have its payment, which is got Alipay. So in terms of the payment, digital payment space, uh, I think China is the fastest country and the, the most penetration of digital payment. Mm. If you go to China right now, you don't see anyone taking out any cash. Everyone just carry their phone and then go out yeah 90 year old grandma would be just paying by their phone yeah i was in beijing just before COVID, and it was unbelievable because i think the kind of the qr code has been around for so long right and it was always going to be this big thing you know and it just never seemed to take off and in china it was just the default it was i was actually trying there are a lot of things you simply couldn't buy if you had cash so many stores would only accept pay through, through an app. And then obviously with COVID, the QR code has kind of taken off in Australia as well, but it was fundamentally different, which is really interesting. And then in terms of the holding company of TikTok slash the Chinese version of is called... ByteDance. So there's been a Chinese equivalent of TikTok before it took off in the West. Is that correct? Yes. They started actually as a news app, which is called Hotel, it's, which is their star product to begin with. It's the most read news feed in China. Basically, they just uh, collaborate all the news feed and then um, make it into a very user-friendly experience okay. of reading news and highly personalized news feed as well. They launched Douyin, which is the Chinese version. Um, they launched that first okay. uh, before they launched the uh, TikTok, which is the international version. And Douyin is the dominant app in the video social space in China right now. Do you have any, like data in terms of how that platform has grown and like in terms of eyeballs in China is it comparable to something like a a WeChat you know taking up as much time and activity as say Baidu and so it it does it does take up a lot of time because it's video itself but in terms of user WeChat has uh, more than a billion user five years ago already yeah and it grow very quickly in the in the span of seven years so WeChat is the dominant force and then in terms of social media and in terms of user base uh, Weibo yeah. Weibo has about um, half of that, so 400 to 500 million user. Depends on what report you read. <laughs> yeah, that's another challenge in China, which is the data is there's so many data sources and it's very sure. difficult to find accurate data sources. Sure. Video users are less. There are multiple reasons. One is the app are not as old, so they exist in a shorter time, but more is because of data cost. 
even data cost is very cheap in China already. But still, if you think about in in the uh, fourth or the fifth tier city, which are the GDP are lower and the average incomes are lower, the cost of data is quite quite high for them compared to people in the first tier city. Okay, okay. So they they use less of、um, these data consuming apps, but still have、uh, close to three hundred million users. It's quite substantial,、yeah. um, and they they spend a lot of time on the app as well because itself the the nature of the app it's it's consuming time. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think in preparing for the pod, I was reading a HBR article around kind of marketing into China, and it's kind of saying that it's extremely mobile first. It's kind of basically everyone is accessing online、yeah. through that through their mobile, and as you mentioned, kind of old and young. And I think at the time of the article, which was a couple of years back, it was seven hours per day was the average time that Chinese are spending on their phone, which was double the amount of time that Americans were kind of averaging each day. So it's really good to have set the ground for that. I guess we're talking about all the platforms and channels that us as Australian marketers are used to using are different in China. The landscape is heavily mobile. There's a lot of usage. The next question for me is. Like, how do you cut through, and how do you build a marketing strategy or a marketing plan to actually scratch the surface? Because it just seems so vast and so overwhelming that it must just be so challenging. So I guess just if we could talk a little bit about what Digital Crew does in terms of how do you take a brand into that market and help them get cut through and help them measure insight into you know the success of their campaigns. Yeah, sure. Before we even talk about going into China, we we always question why do you need to go to China? Do you really think the product or the brand has has a market space in China? Because you will have local competitors, you have international competitors, and then、um, on top of the complex target audience space and the digital space. Once you answer that question, once a brand can fully answer that question, then the work starts. If a client has never been to China, then a very in-depth market research is really needed to understand exactly which target audience is for your product.、Yeah. Need to be very precise because the market is so big. You will not cover the whole market. No brand <laughs> has ever covered the whole market. So、yeah. you need to be really, really precise. So out of a, a billion target audience, sometimes you target a few million out、yeah. of a billion. That is comparison. It's a very small number. Yeah, and we need to know exactly where they are and how to reach them, and then need to localize the product or localize the brand at least. That's the minimum. You need to localize the brand, not just a Chinese name, but how you communicate. Or sometimes you localize your your brand itself. To to fit the local market, and then is is choosing how you communicate through what channel you communicate to keep an open mind because the market change really fast. So sometimes we run a campaign, it works brilliantly, and then we we learn something from it, and then next year the same time you run the same campaign, it might not work the same way. I know in in the Western world we we usually do、um, an annual marketing strategy planning. We have an annual plan. We do this, and then、uh, we have a quarterly or monthly review. But in China, you probably plan for if you can plan for six months, it's already really good yeah,、wow. because the market changes and there's a lot of new trends coming up, and you need to jump onto it. You need to react very quickly to it. So it's very fun. <laughs> Um, once you're committed to the market, it, it, you learn a lot.、Um, it's a very fast-paced market. And how do you make decisions like where to go into market? Like you mentioned, the hundred cities, each with ten million people, and that generally you might pick 
a city or two as a, as a place to go? Is it, is it generally like geography? And then what other ways are you cutting up the market to make sure that you, you know, your customer's message is actually getting through? So when we choose, for example, uh, ge geographic locations, it depends if it's a physical product, then it depends on uh, the ability of the client to service that market. So mm -hmm. can they realistically supply the logistic to service that market? Your distributor might not have the ability to service such a big, uh, like from, from the south to the north, it, it covers such a big landscape. Yeah. However, internal, like domestic logistic is pretty fast. You can ship something from, let's say, south, it's Guangzhou to Beijing in a day. It will, it will receive. However, it's, it's the B2B logistic. Where can your distributor handle it yeah, from right. international to? Usually, if it's a, a physical product, e-commerce or a cross-border e-commerce client, then they probably have their distributor near the Shanghai region or near the Guangzhou region. So we will start from there. So, for example, if it's near the, the Guangzhou region, then we start from uh, the Guangdong province. The Guangdong province already make up 30% of the entire country's GDP. Mm. It's already a very big market. Yeah. So even sometimes we will just focus on the two cities, for example, Guangzhou and Shenzhen. Yeah. And it already has a, a huge population to, to play with. So start with certain location that cement your market and then grow to other markets. Well, that's it. I mean, we will often, we'll do quite a lot of work marketing our clients into the US, right? And we're advocating a pretty similar strategy a lot of the time, which is, you know, the American market's roughly 20 times the size of the Australian market. You need to be pretty surgical with what you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to achieve it. And then, you know, 30% of the Chinese GDP is probably a market that itself is vast and... <laughs> you'd want to almost segment as well and then how geography is one way but then how do you make decisions around the go-to-market strategy like it, in terms of when are you saying well, we're going to go heavily with search and Baidu or no we're actually going to focus on a more of a content kind of social viral type campaign if we're in WeChat or when you're making decisions around ByteDance like how do you get your channel mix right same in, in the English world, uh, it depends on the client. So it, it depends on the brand and the product, right? So for example, if it's a tourism client, then it's B2B, oh, sorry, B2C <laughs> client. Yeah. They, they come from a certain city because it's a destination related. In terms of digital channels, there are some certain digital channels they have to be on, like, for example, WeChat, because everyone is on it. You have to be on it, just, have, just to be a presence. Based on your target audience, in this case, it's tourism related, then you have to be on red as well, because the domestic consumption of tourism product in China, based on research, is the female-led, female decision okay. making. So red is 80% female users. And that is one of the big category that they are strong at in terms of the social media content in tourism. So you have to be on that channel as well. There will be other vertical channels, for example, uh, Mafeng Wall, Sea Trip, and, and all of those tourism-specific channels yeah. where people come. And uh, some of them are booking engines as well as content sharing and, and tourist experience sharing or review kind of sites. But they are trusted by the consumers in China. Search is probably, in this case, would be the last step just to be, just to be there to have a brand presence and not not be there for the first step or yeah, okay. it's, it's it's just a small component of the 
the entire experience. And they pay to play spaces. Like when you're creating campaigns, you generally, in the same way that we go into a meta and buy ad space, are you doing a similar thing or are you generally kind of seeding organic content more in line with, I guess, how a lot of TikTok work has happened here in the last 18 months? Think it's um I think it's a combination um and based on the budget and based on how long you need to spend it, um it's a combination. So you definitely need to have organic content and you definitely need to buy ads yeah to increase your organic reach and then the seeding we will call them um, KOLs or um, key opinion leaders or key KOCs key opinion consumers yeah. It's a very common practice um, to engage with KOLs and KOCs in China from B2B and B2C brands. They, they all use um, all these influencers. Interesting. And influencers work across many different platforms. They are professionally trained and yeah, that there are influencer institutes and influencer colleges in China. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a landscape. Uh, I guess just in terms of your business, are you doing more work taking international brands into China or are you doing more work helping brands market into Chinese communities say in the US and in Australia? I think it's a bit of both as well and it depends on for example in the past uh, three years pandemic um, China's completely cut off then there's way more work to do domestic Um, so Chinese in Australia Chinese in US and now China is opening up and all the brands are going back in China, then, yeah. then it's picking up on that front to taking brands into China. And also we, in the recent two, three years, there's a lot more Chinese brand coming out of China than trying to target the Western audience, trying to build brands to target them. And we're hoping that that, that is a growing segment for us as well. Really interesting. Yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to now talk about the Australian Chinese market and I guess just what that looks like the similarities with the digital landscape in China, but also the differences. And so I guess there would be a lot of listeners to the pod that, you know, hopefully some that are wanting to market into China, but I think there'd also be many that would be wanting to market to, you know, local Chinese. Um, so just be curious as to what that what that market looks like and your observations from working within it. So to target Australian Chinese is actually a easier task compared <laughs> to the, the daunting task that we've been discussing. There are about 4 million Chinese in Australia. Okay. Some of them are first-generation Chinese and, and then the second-generation Chinese. The reason I said it's easier be, it's because they are on both Western channels and Chinese channels. So it's it's easy to reach them. They're very distinct by the language you reach them. We do have a lot of brands that are targeting we call domestic Chinese. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the Chinese. In in Australia, we will run multi, um, multilingual, multi-ethnic campaigns to target not just the Chinese, but the Filipinos, the, the Indians, uh, recent migrants, and for example, um, insurance company, or that they need to target recent migrants as well. The channels are very common. We, we can use Google, we can use Facebook, and then we can use the Chinese channel, for example, Little Red Book. Uh, or WeChat, yeah, they are also on that as well. So the target audience could be very precise. I guess what the, the biggest difference there is, is the language. Is that fair to say that you're kind of char- targeting, say, all Mandarin speakers in Australia and you can pick that up based on simply the fact that that's the language that they're being targeted in? Yes, language. And there's also the Chinese channels such as WeChat and Little Red Book, they are also users in Australia. So they have user base. For example, WeChat, out of their billion users in total, there are more than a million in Australia itself. 
Yeah, wow. So yeah, compared to the billion, it's very small. But compared yeah. to the population in Australia, it's not small. So it's it's a substantial amount of people on those Chinese channel that we can target, and that is we know for sure they are in Australia and they are Chinese. What was the number? Sorry, you, you mentioned of number of Chinese which had user oh uh, four million four million. So of that four million, say one million are using WeChat. That are confirmed, yes, confirmed by of, by WeChat. Yeah, okay. So it's still, it's a, it's a significant sized audience for Australia. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the number is higher. The actual number should be higher. Interesting. Um, but it's it's quite a significant user. Um, and then the up and coming is the Little Red Book. Yeah, so um, let, can we talk a little bit? We are talking before we went on air about the Little Red Book. So it'd be good, I think, for listeners to talk about um, that, that so, channel and... Little Red Bull is a social media platform, female dominant, about 80% user are female. And they are like, they're like the painters, a combination of painters and Instagram. So very eye candy content and with, with words as well. So people will share their experience about certain product brands or um, a tourism uh, a trip, things like that. So I, I live in Australia and I'm Chinese. I'm on Little Red Book all the time to <laughs> look for reviews, like, for example, what to do in the school holidays and where to take them. And, and it has a lot of local content, um, local in the sense Australian Chinese content, where advice of, of what brands to buy and what cafes to go to, etc. Yeah. So it, it's a quite interesting platform. And do you have any, is it too new to have data in terms of number of Australian users? They refused to provide that data, but they did open up the advertising option. So we know that they would not open up advertising option for a certain market unless it has a substantial amount of user. Yeah, okay. And that and that amount is um, usually 300,000 to 500,000 user. Okay in that market. So I'm suspecting there's more, there's there must be um, about half a million user on there for Australia. So largely female, Australian Chinese, yes, fashion. The, the decision maker in the household. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Ophelia. <laughs> um, and you're mentioning that there's a promo at the moment for, for users? Yeah, because of the, uh, they open up the advertising options for Australian brands to advertise on Little Red Book for Australian market to target the Chinese. For a digital crew, we agency to to manage those camp those kind of media and campaigns. Yep. So if you sign up as a client for digital crew before end of financial year, which is um, 30 of June, um, there'll be a thousand dollar off. It's not bad. Not, not a bad way to kind of dip your toe into that local Chinese market. In the, yeah, if, it's if, hyper, if, hyper precisely focused. Yeah, really, yeah. really interesting. I think that's a really good overview of the Chinese digital landscape, a lot of the complexities involved, how it's so different to what we're accustomed to, and also how you know, I guess the how that then transfers into Australia, and you know, in many ways very similar, and in other ways different. What are some of the do's and don'ts, I guess, in terms of marketing into a Chinese audience? Thinking whether it's regulatory, whether it's cultural, just the things that you've seen go wrong when Australian marketers have tried to just kind of overlay their thinking into a different market. I think in terms of uh, the digital space, all the basics are the same. Like you look at CPC, you look at CPM, you look at ROIs and conversion rate and all of that are very transferable knowledge. Um, they're the same. Okay. But you need to acknowledge the difference and, and have an open mind in terms of um, how those Chinese media platform works. Sometimes they are not as transparent as Google 
Okay. Some of the um, advertising functions, they are not as sophisticated sometimes. Just like Facebook, when they started open up ad options, there are not that many options to choose your demographic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, this Chinese media, for example, WeChat, so the Tencent platform, it, it's called the WeChat ad platform and also the, the GDT platform or the Little Red Book ad platform. In the beginning, they didn't have that many options for you to choose from, just like Facebook. And now they are growing, so they are building as well. So they, they're growing more sophisticated. They're growing at a different rate. So when you are buying ads from different platforms, sometimes you have more options in one channel yep. and you have less option in another channel. So it's the nature of the development of the, the market so far. So just need to have an open mind and have patience in this in, the, in this market interesting and then in terms of actual creative you'd be working with your clients to as you kind of mentioned rework brand yeah everything needs to be localized yeah um it's, it's more than translation it's uh, it's localization of the wording localization of the visual because they have different reading habits obviously yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so basically have an open mind what you apply here is not going to work if, if literally just translated across to, to Chinese. And then measurement, in terms of measurement for your campaigns, are you generally still working with clients through, say, Google Analytics to give um, reporting? Or are you kind of pulling Ooh, in, in platform of, data yeah, from... Analytics. Yeah. That's a great question. We always get requests of, can I put my Google Tag Managers in it? Or can I put my UTM Tag, my ads? And yeah. So the, all of those are very challenging. You can put it in, but it's not going to work. Okay. It will, you will not get a very precise data. So we will need to use the Chinese platforms analytics. For example, we use Baidu analytics, and we will also use the data from the platform itself. For example, from Tencent backend, they will give you um, data. And from Little Red Book backend, they'll give you data as well. Yeah, right. And also once they come into your own digital assets, for example, your website or your uh, mobile site or mini or your app or mini program, then you get your data there. That yeah, is okay. your own data. Yeah. And I guess just as you said, so much of the activity is happening in those platforms that you described as bubbles, that you kind of have to just rely on the data coming out of those platforms as to success or otherwise. Yeah, that's correct. And they don't share amount the bubbles. Yeah. So you can't, You if you want the data to merge, you need to bring them to yourself and then you merge from there. Yeah, makes, makes so that's, that's actually one of the reasons we build Pandematrics. It's and... a per- perfect segue <laughs> because that was my, my next question, Afinia. So yeah, if we could just talk about Pandematrics. Pandematrics is a Chinese social media monitoring tool for English speakers, English brands. Because we've been helping brands to get into China for all for so many years, seven, eight years. And that is one of the pain points, mm. getting the correct and accurate data from China. That's why we built this SaaS platform to help brands to understand how their social media performance um, in China in English. Mm. So we bring out the data of their WeChat, their Weibo, their Little Red Book. And we are building a data source from, from Taobao as well. So to link the social media data to their e-commerce performance mm. all in one place in Pandematrix for a Western brand to understand. We've launched a 2.0 version yep. and it's live. You can get it from pandamatrix.com.au. Excellent. Yeah, that's, I'm glad that um, I asked that question. Yes, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. So in terms of just that collating and pulling together of data from those disparate those bubbles, I guess, as you describe them, to kind of give us a consolidated view 
because the the barrier is not just the language is the data source they don't talk to each other and we want to bring all of the data source to one place and present it in a way that western audience can understand love it Athenia, if anyone's listening to the pod is interested in i guess marketing into china or marketing into a chinese audience whether it's here or in the states um, or anywhere else in the world what's the best way to get in contact with yourself you can go to our website at uh, digitalcrew.com.au. Awesome. Um, you can contact us from there easily. Excellent. Um, and I always end the pod with um, what's the best piece of career advice that you'd give to a marketer? And I might even, I'm happy, I'm happy for you to go broad or I'm also happy for you to, uh, to say what would be the, one, the best piece of advice for a marketer marketing into China. Either one. I think for, for both questions, I would say keep an open mind, keep learning. The, the space we are in right now is very different from where we were in 10 years ago. So I am learning new things every day, even um, in different markets or just in China or in Australia. So I think keeping an open mind, keep learning, it's very, very important. It's great advice. Afinia, thanks for joining us on the pod. Thank you, James, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.